I bet if we took a survey about why all of you came to church today, there would be a variety of answers. Now, over the years, I've had the privilege to hear some of your reasons. Some people come for community and connection, some for comfort. Others come for inspiration, for beautiful liturgy and music, or for a message to help them get through the week. Some of you come because your parents raised you in this church decades ago, and some of you are here today because your parents didn't give you a choice. (laughs) But most of all, in one way or another, everyone is here because there is something compelling about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know there is good news to be found here, and we all need the good news of our salvation. Now, there is one response that I don't think we would hear in a survey about coming to church. No one would say, I come here to submit to authority, whether it's the authority of the church or the bishop or even a rector. We generally don't enjoy thinking of ourselves as people under someone else's authority. Maybe it's an American thing, but it also goes back to Henry VIII and his, well, allergy to the Pope's authority over him as the King of England. Thanks to him, we Episcopalians are rather allergic to religious authority whenever someone tries to lord it over us. It's why, as a church, we may still have bishops, but we also insist on a democratic process. I do have to obey my bishop, but I can also introduce legislation at general convention that, if passed, would be binding for that bishop just like everybody else. So in our unique form of church governance, or polity, we pretty well think we've got the question of authority settled. So we honestly don't think very much about religious authority, which makes us exactly the kind of people Jesus is talking to in today's gospel. Now here's the scene, and it happens during Holy Week for those who appreciate a timeline of events. The chief priests and the elders confront Jesus, asking him by what authority he has done some rather shocking things like entering Jerusalem on a donkey in what looked like a royal procession, feeding the 5,000, or even more upsetting to the church people, chasing the money changers out of the temple and disrupting a perfectly good stewardship season. Now, things have really been heating up between Jesus and the establishment, who, it should be noted, are the ones with the proper credentials and ordinations and resumes, the ones who know how to pass legislation at general convention. Jesus has zero of those things. And yet, there is something about him that draws a crowd. There is something about him that exudes a different kind of authority that the others just can't touch. So Jesus responds to the challenge to his authority with a parable about two brothers. Now it comes with a warning for the good and the righteous ones who think they've got religious authority figured out. 
the church-going folks like us. Spoiler alert, we don't fare very well in this story. A man has two sons, whom Barbara Brown Taylor calls the yes and no brothers. He tells them to go to work in the vineyard. The first says no, and then goes anyway. The second says yes, but then doesn't go. When Jesus asks which one of the brothers has done the will of the Father, the chief priests and elders have to answer that it's the first one, the one who said no, but ultimately went to work in the vineyard. Jesus says in return, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. In other words, the one who gave the wrong answer ended up following Jesus much better than the brother who gave the right answer. Right answers, just like religious and earthly credentials, are not nearly as important as following Jesus. Sometimes, the unrighteous understand this quicker than the righteous. Here's my takeaway. The the authorities have tried to trap Jesus into admitting that he doesn't have the authority to pull off the stunts that he's been doing. But Jesus, of course, has never fallen for a trap. Not only does he evade their delegitimizing question about his authority, he teaches them, and us, a lesson about grace. Grace is the key to his authority. If you think our system of ordinations and resumes and power is impressive, well, it doesn't hold any weight at all in the kingdom of God. In fact, in the kingdom, it will be the unrighteous who get in first. There is no divine meritocracy. The tax collectors and prostitutes are ahead of us because they can appreciate grace faster than anyone who thinks they earn some kind of points for being good or credentialed or in charge. As followers of this Jesus, the gospel invites us to give serious consideration to authority in our lives and to whose authority we submit. We give authority to people and institutions all the time, often uncritically. We ought to consider first and foremost, what authority Christ has in our lives. The authority of the one who was crucified and raised, the one through whom God came to us. His authority is truer and more compelling than any other. It draws crowds in a different way, full of grace and truth. We also ought to be concerned whenever we feel self-righteous, about where we sit within earthly authorities, perhaps ahead of some other people. Along with the chief priests and the elders, we might find ourselves further back in the line to get into the kingdom of God. Now, in the 13th century, Francis of Assisi understood all of this. From a young age, his life was laid out before him. He was supposed to become a wealthy merchant taking over the highly successful family business, which came with a fair amount of authority in the town. But Francis was a bit allergic 
to earthly authority and power. He chose to leave it all behind. There was something more compelling about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He walked away from his wealth and security because he had fallen in love with Jesus. He decided to follow him, the one with true authority over his life. He loved God's creation. He slept outside. He preached to the birds, talked to a wolf, as the story goes. And he cared for the brokenhearted, the poor and the marginalized, loving the least of these just as Jesus had. He knew that they were the ones who would get into the kingdom of God first. If Francis submitted to the authority of anything, it was to the authority of God's good grace. This weekend, we honor Francis by blessing stuffed animals at Children's Chapel and live animals later today, and we praise the wonders of creation, as Francis did. May we also honor Francis by following his example of recognizing true authority. May we, too, grant God's grace the first and highest authority in our lives. Because of all the very good reasons to be here today, the most compelling one is always the good news of the grace of God. Amen.